Oh, hello. Hello. And welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tamina Hall, before ghosts. Before all the guests. Welcome, welcome, everyone. We're so excited to be back with an all-new episode on a nice fall day. It is technically a fall day, it, and yet... Is it fall, technically? Well, I guess when this comes out, yes. Okay. I think technically when it comes out is It'll fall, be fall. Which is only two weeks from now. Well, I hold on to summer very dearly. I know. You have so many stupid hills that you Great hills. On. Important hills. Christina mountains. dies on the stupidest hills. Important mountains. Like, I put our friendship up on the chopping block like monthly every time Christina says something so stupid that it enrages me. You know, it's just amazing that we're even friends given how oh, I have no little idea how. Adam I have no idea how you know, understands the importance of the things that I I physically have no idea why we're friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Christina posted about the X Files on our social media, you guys know that. And then I made a comment about it to her personal account and um, we had a fight about it. Well, I, Adam Adam tried to imply that that it wasn't the most important uh, television program, as though it didn't spawn uh, a whole bunch of writers and showrunners, and if it, as though it didn't absolutely change genre television and the way that we write serialized television. So I, I just, I, I just don't understand. I just think, I just think that to say that it is the most important and that we're not going to put like the West Wing in a conversation is very problematic. I'm sorry. Did the West Wing completely change how people write television? I don't know, Christina. Well, there you have it. Can you explain to me the intricacies of how it changed writing television? Yes. Give me summarize in one sentence. In one sentence? Yeah. That's how good it should be. You should be able to summarize it in a sentence, Christina. The ways in which... This is what people tune in for. The ways in which television creates serialized stories with a myth arc and with um, uh, these recurring motifs as well as the 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 thematic um and genre uh uh i uh, what's the word i'm looking for um hallmarks I'll help you find it. in addition to spawning the most influential um showrunners and writers of the last what two decades those are all things that we can trace back to the X-Files. There you have it, kids. You're welcome. Christina Don't soapbox. challenge me on this. <laughs> Christina on a soapbox. I mean, if that's on a t-shirt that no one will buy, I don't I know what buy it. Is. I will buy it. You, you haven't bought any t-shirts. So I'm going to buy this one. Don't you start with your t-shirt. Make this one. I'll, I'll buy me on a soapbox about the X-Files. The X-Files. I'll sell for a dollar. We'll, we'll take a loss on it. I'll do it. Um, anywho, that was three full minutes. You're welcome, of, everyone. Of, 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 of us arguing about the X-Files, <laughs> um, which I, again, don't even have a dog in this fight. I actually don't really care, but it's really fun to see the hills that Christina dies on. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to the show, everybody. That was a loud glow into my you know. ears. Well. Um, you guys, we're having a wonderful season. I hope you all didn't drop out in the last three minutes because you're like, I <laughs> can't. I like to believe that our, our, our bickering is, is charming. Uh, is charming. Um, we're having a wonderful season, but it's actually almost time for our first uh, little week off. Um, every October, I believe the second week of October, it mm-hmm. is what it is. We take that Monday off for Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, it's kind of really important for us to kind of acknowledge it. And uh, Christina's going to talk a little bit about it. So we record from Lenape Hoking, the land of the Lenape Delaware people. But our stories, which take place in New York, uh, take place in lands of many indigenous nations and peoples, including the Matinecock, the Shinnecock, the Unkachog, the Montauket, the Nisakog, the Massapequas, Haudenosaunee, Kanankahaka, Mohawk, Onondawaga Seneca, Cayuga, Oneida, Mohican, and many others. So we invite you on this Indigenous Peoples Day and every day to find out whose land you're on. Uh, Native-land.ca is a great resource for this. And you can type in any address around the world and see whose land you are on. Uh, We invite you to learn more about Indigenous people's histories and philosophies. Consider how you can be in better community with fellow humans and other than humans. So animals, plants, waterways, etc. Advocate for your town or city to formally recognize Indigenous Peoples Day and learn from Indigenous resources. Um, There are a number of really wonderful news outlets and activists and journalists, and we will post, um, you know, we'll include their handles and links um, when we post. 
and uh, you know, follow follow indigenous peoples and organizations and researchers on Instagram and social media. And there are also many wonderful indigenous podcasts out there, including All My Relations, which is one of my favorites, uh, This Land podcast, Toasted Sister, Coffee with My Ma podcast, and many others. So we will post links and resources, um, and we invite you to check them out and honor honor the people whose land you're on. Yeah. So on Monday, again, we with no episode on Monday. We'll have all these resources posted on Monday for you. And um yeah, Christopher Columbus is the worst, and so I was just gonna say. Um, and to the Italians out there, as to a, Italians, pick pick a better person to there, celebrate. There are better heroes. There are so many better heroes. I mean, I'll celebrate Mike Piazza Day for all I care. There you go. For all I care. There you go. I don't know enough about him to say either way. I don't know. He's an Italian baseball player. Done. He was a Met. In any case, yeah, Christopher Columbus was a scoundrel, um, a genocidal maniac. Yep. Um, and he's terrible. And so one day we'll be able to lose Christopher Columbus out of the the the, yep. the days. But you know, you know who knows. But um, we here in New York, uh, we have a Columbus Circle that has a big old Feel statue free to of him. Spit on him as he passed. Um, but that is that. We know that statements like that are divisive for people. But you know, we um we don't care. We started this with a divisive issue, and here we are. <laughs> here we are. So that's 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 a rough next week, but then we're back the week after that, and then we have all new episodes up through the winter, through Crazy. the holidays. So we are full steam ahead. We're back to recording together in the studio Crazy. again. We had six long weeks away from each other. You guys didn't know about that because we saw that episode. Covered but, it so well. But now we're back uh, recording some new episodes. A lot of you are doing some really cool things and sending articles, uh, sending cases. Love have, it. You guys are sending us the most stuff you've ever sent us. Love it so much. Just so you know, if you send us something, it goes on a list. We we, we have it. We didn't. We don't forget about it. I try to get back to everyone who reached, reaches out to us. Um, but uh, we will get to it. There's a lot of stuff happening recently. Um, some cases have been like flourished out. Um, cases like the Long Island serial killer mm-hmm, has mm-hmm, been mm-hmm. found, and yeah. so you bet your butt we're covering Can't that in the, in the next couple of months. So a lot of stuff is coming our way. So when you send us things, we don't ignore it. We actually do put them on our list. We have a master list of things that we want to go through, and so the more you send us, the more we cover. We we love yeah. these opportunities. So if you know a case, if you have an idea, shoot it our way. We're happy to to research it uh, in either in a long form for a normal pod or as a bonus or as a patron exclusive. Uh, and as always, as I mentioned, Patreon exclusives. If you're interested in supporting the podcast in a wonderful, deep way, you head on over to patreon.com slash Machine For as little as $3, you can join our community. For as little as 5 you keep the pod going. And uh, you get some cool stuff out of it. We also have t-shirts. Uh, below the collar.com slash NY Mystery Machine, including the new Christina Marinelli birth story <laughs> t shirt, which says, Is this an alien abduction? Am I being abducted? Um, so feel free to purchase those. And we also have our stickers on sale. Um, we have a Google form for those on our link tree, which is on our, our Instagram bio. So all of these links are on our link tree. If you want a place to find them all, that's where you find them. Head over to our link tree on our Instagram bio and you can see all. What are we doing today, Adam? Well, it is the fall, and like it's actually the fall, not like fake fall, like when we when we recorded. Like right now, when we're recording things. Um, but it is the fall. Um, and I originally had this episode slated for September in time for back to school, but I'm gonna do it now instead, which okay. is October. So we're not so far from back to school. Yeah. Back to school came about three weeks, four weeks ago. Now you remember last year we did an episode all about St. John's University's Little Theater. Yes. Uh, that was a really fun episode. It felt like an investigative journalism yes. episode. <laughs> um, and then we also covered last year uh, Molly's Ghost at NYU. Yep. Maybe like a year and a half ago almost. I'm not even sure. Think about, the, think about its placement in the song. Molly just... <laughs> um, today, we are heading up to the Bronx. Okay. And we're chatting all about one of the most haunted universities in New York. Maybe even America. Really? Fordham University. Who... who Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Because it feels like, as a Catholic institution, they could just exercise the place. Go on. (laughs) How is it? God, (laughs) you exercise. (laughs) Now, Fordham University is a private Jesuit university. Love a Jesuit. The Jesuits are a specific order of the Roman Catholic clergy. They're real cool. They have been known to be the thinkers of the church. So most often a lot of uh, members of the Jesuits are open-minded in terms of the realm of 
uh, queer people yep. and, and equal rights. They are seen a lot of times in the forefront. Um, down, you know, I a few years ago, I while I was working on a different podcast I hosted, I got to meet um, uh, uh, an, an, an older guy who was either working or living down at Xavier High School, which is a Jesuit um, high school. And um, he was talking about back in the 60s during the Stonewall riots that um, the Jesuits were actually very involved in the first um, Pride March. Mm. They had representation for years. Um, and so, I mean, yeah. Father James Martin today is sort of the the leading uh, Catholic, American Catholic priest on um, on gay rights and LGBTQ issues. Yeah. So Fordham was established in 1841 and named after the Fordham neighborhood of the Bronx in which the original campus is located. Um, it's now called the Rose Hill campus. Hmm. It's the oldest Catholic and Jesuit university in the northeastern United States and the third oldest university in New York State. It was founded as St. John's College by John Hughes, then the co-adjutor bishop of New York. That's a bishop appointed to assist the Dustin bishop and often designated as a successor. The college was placed in the care of the Society of Jesus Jesuits, shortly thereafter and has since become a Jesuit-affiliated independent school under a lay board of trustees. Um, while governed independently of the church since 1969, every president of Fordham University between 1846 and 2023 has been a Jesuit priest, and the curriculum remains influenced by Jesuit educational principles. But is it haunted? <gasps> it's like my new favorite show. Like Not like is it cake. Is it haunted? Is it haunted? <laughs> is it haunted? Where's Mikey Day? The wrong host for that show. Poor Mikey Day. Well, to answer that, once again, I am turning to the students of the new university. Because we're better else to, to find these stories. And now Don't the listen to scholars. Don't mm -mm. listen to any of those people. Psh. Listen, because when we covered St. John's, when we covered NYU, it was the students mm -hmm. who really fed those episodes. And today, I didn't get an opportunity to speak with any of them personally. But there are issues of the student-run newspaper, The Ram, that date all the way back to the 70s and talk about ghostly apparitions on campus. Ooh. Since the 70s, all the way till the now. <laughs> That's 50 years. And get this. In fact, there is a section on Fordham's library website. Really? All about haunted Fordham. See, that's incredible to me because I feel like... Lean in, kids. Wow, all right. Lean into it. Yeah, it's a whole section um, on their website, on the library website, focused on all these articles. And that's where I found all of these past issues of the RAM that talked about the hauntings. All right. Lean in. Thank you, librarians and archivists. Lean in. When things are haunted, tell us how we're haunted. Makes it more interesting. Things that are not haunted are not interesting. That's true. I mean, would it make it on this episode? On Christina this would enjoy it, but I wouldn't. Right. <laughs> so today we're going to be chatting about various spots all along in the halls of, of the campus that are set to be haunted. Now, our first story comes to us from 1976. In this article by Jeff Dorsch, we hear the account of a student dealing with these paranormal phenomena. A student wrote to the paper speaking about an experience they had in January of that year, 1976, that is. Mm -hmm. It was the week before graduate exams, and he was in a cubicle that was provided to him for economics grad students on the fifth floor of Dealey, which is one of the buildings. One of the buildings. There were only two other people there that evening. Well, the duo leaves the office where the three of them were working, and now it's just the one guy. They close the office door behind them. A few moments later, the student in the cubicle hears the door open and the sound of papers being gone through. He thinks the other two have returned. And mm -hmm. he leaves the cubicle to take a break from studying and you know, decides to you know, talk to other people and just mm -hmm. kind of like breathe for a second. He goes and finds the office door open, but no one inside. The student then goes back to his cubicle and starts studying again. Soon, the people who had went to the basement, the duo who was with them originally, come back and remarked about the door being open. But they was like, this is a, a weird thing. Kind of weird. Why is the door open? <laughs> Ten minutes later, the duo leave the office again, and they head to the computer center. 
Uh, they made sure the office door was closed this time as they do. Because they're like, oh, maybe we left it open. Right. That was kind of the thing. Once more, the student is alone in his cubicle and he hears the door open after the people are gone. He looks over the walls of the cubicle to see the door swing closed. Mm -hmm. The student opens the cubicle door in time to see an elderly priest turn the corner down the hallway all the way to the elevators. He recalls, quote, the student says, and again, the student didn't, didn't give their identity to the paper. They, they ran, let, let us know that they wanted to remain anonymous. So okay. Keep referring to him as a student. The student recalls, quote, I followed. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Uh, in the corridor between the two wings and Dealey, a physical plant was, a physical plant man was washing the floor. I asked him if someone had just walked by. He said no. I took a quick walk around the floor, and there was nowhere to be, no one to be found. On the following Sunday night, which was the night before the student's exam was scheduled, he was studying in the same cubicle. The student was the last person on the floor after 7 o'clock, after the last of the art history students went home. He heard footsteps past the cubicle. And of course, he followed. He went out to investigate. God, guy, come on. The student saw what he took to be the same priest he spotted three nights earlier, about to go around the same corner. However, the priest turned about suddenly. (gasps) After the student said hello, the priest asked him what he was doing in the building so late. The student replied he was studying for a graduate economics exam. The priest offered the information that he had taught a forum in the economics department, but he hadn't taught there in years. Mm Mm-hmm. The priest introduced himself as Father John Shea, and he asked the student what level the young man was studying for. And the student answered he was at the master's level. The priest, whom the student remembers estimating to be in his 70s, then asks if the young man planned to take a PhD. The student replies he was not going for a PhD since he was going to law school. Hmm. The priest, continuing his habit of questioning, asked if the student had applied to any schools, and the student answered that he had heard from Georgetown. Mm-hmm. The priest replied, Good school. I got my doctorate there. The student ended the conversation after about 10 minutes and went back to studying. The next day, the student goes up to the economics department floor and told the departmental secretary he had met Father Shea in the fifth floor hallway the night before. Well, the secretary was like, are you joking? He's like, excuse me? So I took, are you joking? Like, that's a pretty crude joke. And she was like, I don't understand what you mean. And the secretary informs him that Father Shea had been dead for about three years at that point. Oh, wow. So a recent one, too. Yeah. Three years he had been dead. Wow. She showed him an old catalog that shows Father Shea's course listing in the economics department, as he said. He also founds out that Father Shea died during finals week. He was set to give an exam, and another Jesuit found a copy of the exam in his room, so they administered the exam to the students himself. Hmm. And finally, the student got a hold of a yearbook from the years past and found that Father Shea was, in fact, the same old man he was speaking to that evening. Oh, wow. That's that crazy? crazy. That one's crazy. Like, that's a classic, like, and that story, I, I've i read a, so I, I'm referencing a bunch of articles yeah, from yeah. the RAM, and just about all the articles from the RAM reference that story. It well, is, like, it's straight up, a... it is straight up, like, yeah. concrete lore. Well, it's, yeah, I was going to say, it's also such a... Um... What's the word I'm looking for? You know, it it's the most interact. Like we have a lot of ghost stories. Very rarely do you have like a full on conversation. You don't see anything I mean, wrong. He doesn't it's, disappear. It's a twofold, after. right? It's you have a full on apparition, which mm-hmm. we know those are the gold mine, right? Full on yeah. apparitions. When we spoke to the kids at St. John's last year, I was like, "Do you guys have full body apparitions?" Like, yeah. I'm like, "For that, those that's that's the gold standard. Yeah. Like, that's you don't always get those. Yeah. I've never seen a full body apparition in my life. Right. I've been very, very in situations where I know there's ghostly presence, mm-hmm. but I've never seen a full-bodied yeah. apparition like stare in front of me. And then to interact, and then to, to have, interact, a, like, have a, a real-time dialogue, conversation. A real and time then dialogue. he doesn't do anything weird like disappear through yeah, the wall. He just He's just away. like, okay, cool, have a good night. Yeah. That is something. Well, on October 28th, 1983, about a decade later, another article ran in the RAM speaking on ghostly apparitions at Fornham. It said, rumor has it that five rose buildings contained the entities of, quote, former human uh, persuasion. The administration <laughs> building, Dilly Hall, Hughes Hall, Dwayne Library, and St. John's Hall. Quote, there have been a couple of cases, there have been a couple of cases of old Jesuits floating around here, says Reverend Norris Clark, um, Society of, the, of Jesus. The old Jesuit was walking on the second floor of the administration building and has seen by a number of people, he added. 
One of the two buildings on campus to predate the arrival of the Jesuits, the other is University Church, the administration building has served ev- as everything from a student residence to a library since its construction in 1838. According to Clark, a few elderly priests lived there when the second floor served as an infirmary several years ago. The article then speaks about a story that we just spoke about, doubling down the events, mm-hmm. uh, but it continues. The wandering ghost priest is a prominent motif at Rose Hill. The well-known specter, quote, Duane's friend, who was most likely a companion of Reverend William J. Duane, a university president from 1924 to 1930, can be seen floating around hmm. the theology section on the third floor Duane Library. <laughs> he is known to have sent late night custodial workers screaming from the room. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? Just, just floating. floating. Hello! <laughs> He's just trying to get a book from. He's just trying to get a book from one of the higher shelves. I just need this book. <laughs> Thank you. So then the article says, while you're in Dealey Hall's computer center, be on the lookout for a benevolent Jesuit waiting to give you a hand with your program. <laughs> this reportedly happened to a young student who was tr- um, fanatically working throughout the night to finish the program. Although he was the only person there and he was laboring in complete silence, he just couldn't concentrate and was getting nowhere. All of a sudden, an elderly priest came in and asked him if he needed help. They conversed for a while, including exchanging names. While the Jesuit successfully completed the task, the two parted and the student handed in his project, later receiving an A for his grade. Being a good soul, the young <laughs> man, I love this article, being a good soul, the young man went to Loyola Faber Hall to thank his after-hours friend. After giving the Jesuit's name and getting a few funny looks, he was informed that his mentor had died several years before. Incredible. I love all these really helpful all these old Jesuit priests being like, it's adorable. I'll help you. <laughs> Do you need help with that program? I'll help you. <laughs> like everyone's just so helpful. I these love like it. all these friendly, helpful ghosts. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Do you need help? Yogging by. <laughs> sure, old floating guy. Here you go. This is my kind of ghost. If we're gonna have to have a ghost, this is ghost, my kind I of ghost. I want like the friendly Jesuit ghost. Yes, exactly. It's Here like, you go. It's like Casper, but ordained. Queer people should have rights. <laughs> <laughs> Gay marriage. <laughs> oh, gosh. Another similar friendly ghost story. And these continue throughout the years at Fordham. Lots of friendly ghosts looking to help the students in dire strains. Incredible. The article also mentions reports of activities in the administration building, as we, we mentioned before, on the first floor. Uh, on that floor, there is a wall full of press, uh, past presidents of Fordham, like all their portraits. Mm. They say that every now and then, one of those past presidents will pull themselves down from their portrait and walk <laughs> the halls to check on the university. I love that less, but I still love it. I love this a little less. A L- little don't. creepier, but uh, I still enjoy it immensely. It's like, it's like. I do you know what it's like? What that reminds me of? Did you ever see the film version of The Wiz? No. The film version of The Wiz, you guys, scared the ever living shit out of me when I was a kid. Because if you watch the film version of The Wiz, P.S. Excellent movie, like watch it. Okay. But it took me years to return to it because when I was like six or seven, I watched it, and the first bit of it is uh, the graffiti paintings peel themselves off the wall oh no and it scared the shit out of me yeah yeah that was scared the shit out of me too it was scared the shit out of me now probably, and possibly, so i honestly. just never watched it again until i was like 30 yeah maybe like 28 i finally watched the film again That's and i fair. was like okay this is I can still this scary <laughs> like for kids watching this this is still scary that these paintings yeah. can pull themselves from the wall and oh dance. yeah especially if you live in an area like new york city where there's a lot of graffiti there's so much graffiti there's so much graffiti. Now, there is an interesting fact that we haven't mentioned about Fordham. Okay. The film The Exorcist was filmed there. Mm. That's right. The 1973 cult classic was filmed on campus, much of it being filmed in Hughes Hall. Now, Hughes Hall has an odd story attributed to it. Before its renovation as a newer dorm, it sparked several rumors of being haunted um, by many, many different types of spirits, including perhaps poltergeists. Mm. Now we know from the show, listeners, poltergeists and ghosts are not the same. A ghost, for all intents and purposes, is the spirit of someone who, has, who lived on the earth and who's passing either 
trapped in between those worlds, not knowing that they're yep. deceased, um, coming down for a visit, mm-hmm. or ripped in time, or just ripped in time and space. Okay. A poltergeist is more closely related to that of a mischievous uh, demon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't necessarily need to be a demon per se, but a poltergeist is is energy not related to an actual person. Would you say that they both fall under the general heading of ghoulie? A poltergeist is and and uh, and 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 a ghost. Would they both be ghouls? I don't think ghouls a ghost is a ghoul. Okay. I think a poltergeist is a kind of type of ghoul. Okay. I think a poltergeist. Um, again, it's manifested energy in a way, um, and so often. It mischievously, mischievously tries to convince people that it's an actual person, right? Okay, or, like the spirit of a person who's deceased. When it's not, it is that of hell, <laughs> or whatever you believe in. Um, <laughs> now, reportedly, bizarre Satan worship ceremonies were occurring on the fourth floor. And oh, this episode took a turn. Go and on. String cultish wall paintings, which depict burning flames against a heavenly sky, still survive to this day. Oh no, thank you. Now this is from the eighties. I don't know if they still survive to this day. This day, uh-huh. but I am interested to find out if they survive to this day. This day. Yeah, someone, someone, let us know. Someone who went to Fordham. John went to Fordham. I can ask my roommate John. Go knock. Let's just take take the equipment. Let's go knock on the. John thoughts. <laughs> While the exorcist was being filmed at Fordham, specifically in Hughes Hall, it said that a large black dog came to set every day without fail. The animal didn't bother anyone, but the crew couldn't chase it away no matter how hard they tried. Hmm. And no one knew whose dog it was. They just let him chill out. It never returned to the campus after the film was over. Interesting. Maybe it was just a groupie. Or a hellhound. No! He's a cute little pooch. I'm a cute little pooch. Hughes is also home for a deceased Jesuit novitiate who has perpetu- who perpetually haunted the top floors of the building after his death for several years now. Um, another ghost who likes to keep tabs on present-day Fordham is the spirit of a groundskeeper. Oh, okay. Um, when Alpha House was located at the Third Avenue Gate entrance at the turn of the century, it was used it was used to house Rose Hill's groundskeeper and his family. Okay. Because back then, yeah, you. People did. People who worked the, worked the grounds of these huge campuses lived there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you had to. There's still groundskeepers on, you know, some certain private parks in the city. You can still be the groundskeeper and live on live on site. There you go. One of his duties was to walk around campus at night to make sure all the buildings were secure. It is said that one of his favorite tours was around St. John's Hall, which he used to circle more than once, swinging a small lantern. Hmm. Reportedly, he could be seen late at night circling the same building today. Leisurely checking the doors and swinging his lamp. Hmm. And we'll end this section by chatting about Fordham's own cemetery. Because they have their own cemetery? They sure do. Close okay. by John's Hall is their cemetery, which would be a lot more realistic if there are any bodies there. What? It is said that the cemetery, consisting chiefly of young priests or men studying for the priesthood, was originally in the Botanical Gardens near the Bronx River when Fordham owned that property. Mm-hmm. After the university allowed New York City to use the area for the gardens, the Jesuits reportedly just moved the stones onto campus but left the bodies in the original location. That sounds like what happens in New York, honestly, in general. So, like, just a whole bunch in of... In this story, we are to believe that the New York Botanical Gardens has dead people under it. Incredible. In this version of the story. Um, Follow-up ver- episode I want is the Botanical Gardens haunted. We can do it. Other versions of the story say that the bodies were redug and were in such disarray that whatever could be found of the skeletons was brought back to campus, but not as many as the tombs are intact. Mm. It's also said that the cemetery was not in the botanical gardens at all; actually, was under what is now the old gym. Um, so the very lot, different. Well, yeah, there's a lot of different. I mean, the botanical gardens aren't too far from. from no, yeah, no, they're right by there, but still. So, it's one thing to say they're in the botan- the cemetery. I like to believe they're in the botanical gardens. That's what I choose to believe too. I don't like to believe that, but I just know New York. Yeah, that feels right. And it feels like, like oh, we'll just let's pave over. Close there. enough. We'll just, we'll just put some over gardens there. over. It's it's basically a big cemetery. I was anyway. going to say, at least it's nice and it's a got garden. garden. Most of the time, we just put like a road. Or a building. Or a building. Or like, like good it's enough. A, it's a garden anyway. Um, Probably the strangest natural phenomenon on campus is the so-called uh, Jesu tree. Situated near Dealey Hall, opposite Edwards Parade, the tree bears a striking resemblance to the crucified Jesus Christ. What? 
The illusion was reportedly discovered in 1979 when a co-ed noticed it as she was sitting on the steps of Freeman Hall. Rumor has it that the young woman could not stop screaming when she saw it, and it was said that practically all the residents of Walsh Hall came running out to observe the figure. A few nights later, it's said that a freshman living in uh, Roberts Plaza woke up in the middle of the night yelling, They're hurting him! The young man leaped out of the bed and ran across the campus in his pajamas with his roommates in various states of dress in close pursuit. Um, reportedly, he arrived at the Jesus tree just in time to catch a group of students painting the tree red. The, tr- the paint remains on that tree to this day. What a... Why were they painting you red? What do I know? Okay, great. Just clarify. Just mischievous. <laughs> um, weird. Weird. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back, we are going to move up into the 90s. Okay. And we're going to talk about more haunted buildings. There's going to be creepy people, creepy spaces, maybe even creepy little girls. Oh, no. We hate to see it. But that's what we get when we talk about hauntings. I like the Jesuit ghost. I like the Jesuit ghost. I like the little, little frail old men. <laughs> Come here, sonny. I'll teach you about economics. <laughs> what do you need to learn about economics today? I don't know what the accent is. I'm not really sure what's happening. But I like it a lot. I don't know what that is, but I like it. New, new character. Father I've been trying Shag. new characters out for the new season, this, and people seem to be very receptive of these characters. We found people like the the uh, the Italian uh, workers from from Syracuse. Sam said that should yes. be a normal character. That, hey, <laughs> lady, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and last and last week's the um the Italian Undertaker was a big hit. <gasps> I am a Italian Undertaker. <laughs> Arresting the pizza. <laughs> so that was a big hit as well. So amazing. Anywho, I, that's where, I think we we're taking a break. I think that was what we were doing. <laughs> we'll be back. Bye. <laughs> The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. All right, we are back. We're talking all about Fordham University and how crazy haunted it is. Crazy haunted. What are these just... weird ghosts? The weirdest of ghosts. It's, it's a like very cute one. A menagerie of weird ghosts. Menagerie of ghosts. They're all like so unique in their own way. Mm-hmm. Well, we're moving to 1996 and student reporter Kelly Vallea has a doozy of a story to share. I'm just going to read mostly like from her article because the recount is actually really well written. And so I'd rather just like let yeah. Kelly's words do it. Speak to us, Kelly. He locked his door and climbed up to the top bunk in the left corner of his room. He looked at the Beatles record cover posted on his wall before switching off the lights. When he awoke in the morning, it was gone. Quote, at first I thought someone stole it, said Andy Swery, um, a freshman in 99. But after prodding his, room, prodding his roommate, Swery realized that no one could have entered their room after he locked it. After searching all the possible hiding spots where it could be hidden, they gave up until Swabi heard a story of a resident who awoke to see a picture from his wall flying across the room. Although Swari did not know the validity of the story, it inspired him to restart his search. Three weeks after it disappeared, his roommate found the album cover behind a dresser against the adjacent wall. Swari wondered, how the thick mounting tape had loosened itself. He believed if the album fell, it could not have landed where he found it. Thus, he attributed the incident to a Queen's Court ghost. That's location of where he lived. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm seeing like the idea of like uh, a... I'm the Queen! Oh, see, I'm thinking like, like, you know, like, um, what am I thinking? Like the People's Court? (laughs) (laughs) The Queen's Court ghost. (laughs) But God. like with the Fran Drescher accent. <laughs> I've got the Queen's <laughs> ah. 
That's not right. <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. Um, um, Swari says, quote, I was so scared that I had trouble sleeping for three weeks. He decided to find out if the other residents shared similar experiences. Swari's localized research culminated in his night court presentation on October 31st, 1995. He recounted rumors and strange occurrences during the first weeks of school. He focused on three most vivid, unexplainable events. All three events occurred on the second floor of Roberts Hall. Allison Murphy, a freshman in 99, although she heard the phone ring as she dried her hair, she switched off the blow dryer and looked over at the phone in its usual place on her roommate's refrigerator, and it did not ring again. She continued drying her hair. She glanced up again when her roommate, Karen Rogers, also a freshman, returned from the bathroom only to find the phone was no longer on the refrigerator, but now on her desk. She asked Rogers if she moved the phone, but she had not. Quote, I told her the story, and we both freaked out, said Murphy. <laughs> I would freak out too. Murphy's neighbor, Vicky Volino, also received a taste of the supernatural during her first few days living in Queens Court. Valino sat on her bed as she chatted with her roommate who was using scissors to cut out pictures from a magazine. Uh-oh. Apparently for some ransom note. Uh, <laughs> according to Valino, her roommate put down the scissors for a moment, but a second later could not find them. They searched the room for 15 minutes. As a last resort, the girls um, removed the sheets from the bed, but still could not find the scissors. To their amazement, the scissors had been missing a minute ago, were now placed on a neat stack of papers on the desk in their room. This same desk had been cluttered with papers a few minutes earlier. So first and foremost, a neat ass ghost. I was going to say. Like, hey, I got to clean this for you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. You, you got to clean your stuff. You got to clean it. You also, clean I borrow, also, I borrowed your scissors. Hope you don't mind. I also bought these scissors. And in exchange, I cleaned your desk. I like that. You're the, welcome. I was going to say, I like that this is the queen's. You're welcome. You're welcome. welcome. I cleaned it for you. You're welcome. My idiot scissors. They were so unnerved that they knocked on their neighbor's door at 1 a.m. One of the girls called her mother for comfort. (sighs) According to Valino, her mother said if they had faith in Christ, the spirit could not harden them. Oh, that's incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) That's not real. Do you think people with with faith in Christ have never been have never been tortured by by a spirit? You are incorrect, sir. Don't don't say that, Adam. Christina looks over at all the holy water stashed in the corner, beating herself. Um, however, Valino became somewhat skeptical after the incident. Quote, maybe we can do things unconsciously and then when we try to attribute them to outside causes, she said. Maybe we can do things unconsciously and then we try to attribute them to outside causes, she said. Mm-hmm. Which is more likely. Yeah, fair. I mean, I always will refer, refer to the ghost, but you know. Yeah. Down the hall from Valino, two girls experienced a very similar unexplainable event. Susan Huther, Huthersall... Uh, and Sarah Hunt locked their door, turned off their stereo after listening to a CD, and went to bed. During the night, the stereo turned on by itself and played a strange CD that the, that the girls swore had not been in their CD player no, all thank day. You. The CD, The CD they played just before bed was now back in its case on the rack. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. This moment still remains a mystery. I don't, I don't like that. I don't care for that. It'd be like if I was sleeping and like... All of a sudden, I was like, who let the dogs out? Who who, who, who let the dogs out? (laughs) A question we have still not yet to answer. It's true. 1999 has come and gone, and we have still not answered the question, who indeed let the dogs out? It's a great mystery. Which of the the Baha'i men? Which of them? Or are they just the ones who discovered that the dogs had been out the entire time? (laughs) What a tangent that is. Did not see that coming. Although Swery recounted these stories as the most significant during his night court, he also relayed stories of minor events. Um, residents blamed ghosts for unlocked doors, switched off fans, and missing jewelry that later resurfaced in odd places. Mm-hmm. Students were also reported footsteps at strange noises coming from St. John's Hall, which was, quote, closed for res- renovation. While reminiscing about last year's events, where he questioned whether the new batch of Queen's Court residents have experienced any strange incidents, the Queen Court Residence Hall Association, which organized Fright Court for this Halloween, um, knew of only one strange event. Greg Urich, 
uh, in 2000 recounted the Megan and Susan Murphy story. Mm. He said that they misplaced a magazine while moving another on the second floor of St. John's Hall. They could not find it before they went to dinner. Uh, then they discovered it in the middle of their floor when they returned. At present, people remain divided as to whether or not uh, ghosts haunt the Queen's Court. Some believe that these occurrences have explanations, um, and others simply don't. Queen's Court. Queen's Court. I'll, I'll, I'll clean a little bit, but I need to buy you scissors. <laughs> I gotta buy you scissors. Can I buy you scissors? <laughs> In 2009, an article came out breaking down the hauntings from each of the active spots on campus. The first was Keating Hall. The RAM reports that late one night in the 70s, security guards sat down to take a break in one of the comfortable basement chairs. Despite being alone, the man heard a door slam. His curiosity and suspicion gave, gave way to all-out fear when the chairs started moving and slamming themselves into the walls. Oh, oh, yep. The guard went running from the building, some say leaving his shoes behind, and never returned to campus. I mean, scared of quit, which is my favorite story when when yeah. guard when went with guards. Yeah, we've done this. Like I feel like we've said this story so many times. The guard left and never came back. Good on you, guard. Good on you, guard. But do the same thing, honestly. Um, in the first floor entryway, students frequently feel as though they are being watched, mm -hmm. and there are distinct cold spots even on the warmest days. Many students also report a cold hand grab oh, their shoulder no. in the hall, even when no one's around. No, thank you. Um, the next spot, we're, we're back in Queen's Court. Um, every year around Halloween, the residents of Queens Court gather around the Bishop's Lounge for a fright court, as we mentioned <laughs> earlier, to share scary stories about the dorm. A common legend is a tale of a chronically cold, is a of a chronically cold Jesuit who hung himself in a closet and who was found swinging with his feet oh, hitting no. the radiator. Oh no! Jesus Christ! <laughs> Ooh, that's if, not a cute Jesuit ghost. any resident who has spent a winter in this dorm, and you will learn that the radiators are louder than a drummer's at a rock concert. Uh, Some people say the radiators clatter because of mineral deposits floating in the hot water inside. Others claim it's a supernatural echo of the Jesuit suicide. Uh, a famous tale about Queen's Court is documented in Elizabeth Tucker's Haunted Halls, Ghost Lore of American College Campuses. In the summer of 2003, before students had moved into the hall, a resident assistant was filling out damage reports and noticed that whenever he entered one of the rooms, the mattresses were propped up against the wall. So weird. Yeah. He put them back on the beds, but when he returned, they'd be back on the wall. Finally, one night around 2.30 a.m., a Jesuit priest knocked on the RA's door and said he had taken care of the demon who had moved the mattresses. <laughs> but strangehappenings.org claims that the Jesuit priest said, quote, someone must be praying pretty hard for you to have to have me up here this early. Anyway, it usually stays in one room down at the end of the hall, but it got out. I took care of it. So you have nothing to worry about now. When the RA tried to locate the priest, he found out that he had died long ago. Incredible. It seemed that the ghostly priest performed an exorcism. I love that. A post-mortem exorcism? I love that. I love, and I love that he said, you know, it usually just stays in its place down the hall, but... I'd watch that TV series. I would absolutely watch A that TV series. ghost priest who has to, like, get out the demons. Yes. I'd pitch that. That's a good show. 10 out of 10 was the I'd priest. I'd watch that. Who'd you cast as the priest? Oh gosh, how old is he? Does it say, Doesn't say. It didn't say name, right? Um, oh gosh, I wanted to be a little on the older on, on the older end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I wanted to be like, can it be Morgan Freeman? Can Morgan Freeman be this? Ooh, this yeah, this totally could. This ghost priest. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Morgan Freeman would be my choice nice. for ghost priest. Amazing. Oh god. Oh gosh. I would cast. Would you cast a specific person as the demon? No, each week's a different demon. Okay. Yeah. It's like supernatural. Is there like a recurring one that like keeps showing up? You got to keep putting down the hall? Oh, maybe. Because then I would cast Walton Goggins. No, I catch um, Lily Rabe as that mm. as that one. She'd be mm. like my, my... Okay, nice. I just want Walton Goggins involved. Fair enough. You, you hear it, world? When the writer's strike is over, <laughs> we're getting to work. Um, other Queen's Court stories deal with a girl's suicide in Robertson Third Room. Her doll supposedly appears um, and whispers that it wants its mommy. Oh, no, 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 no. And strange omens like the statue of St. John the Baptist in the Bishop's Lounge falling and pointing to the attic where a dead body lay. Oh, no. Um, we, we, saw, we spoke about Hughes 
hall a bit earlier. Hughes is where um, The Exorcist was filmed. Mm. Um, in addition to that story, students have also reported seeing a small boy aimlessly wandering Mm-mm. the halls. Mm-mm-mm. Additionally, locked doors have been known to fly open and seemingly on their own accord. Then there's Finley Hall. Finley Hall used to be the medical school building, and most of the rooms in the building contain a loft. Supposedly, the students would stand in the loft and watch the cadaver dissections take place beneath them. One superstition surrounding Finley is that students sleeping in the downstairs part of the room may awaken in the middle of the night, look into the loft, and see the ghostly faces of students watching them. Oh, no. As if they are cadavers being dissected. Oh, no, 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 Several no. websites report that Finley residents have been startled awake by the tight grip of cold hands on their throat. Nope. Yeah, so more more cold hands on throat situations. Hate it. Don't like it. I absolutely hate it. In addition, more than one student has been woken up in the middle of the night um, feeling uh, with, with a hard feeling to breathe and feeling like someone's tugging on their toe as if they're trying to put tags on them nope. as a cadaver. Nope. They also sometimes see um, um, the ghost of the cadaver who, who, they, the, who they worked on in that, that class. Oh, God. It's pretty insane uh next we have o'hare though one of the new dorms on campus which was built on two, in the year 2000 o'hare has its own ghosts uh one of the construction workers had a heart attack while working on the roof and fell tragically to his death Ooh. students have reported the sounds of hammering in the walls as if the spirit of the man is still trying to finish the job nope uh then there's collins with the hauntings around collins even the faculty are spooked they and the students have reported seeing a man walking around the balconies. The same ghostly figure is often blamed for things being arranged and moving backstage before performances. Hmm. Collins is the where the mimes and mummers at Fordham use for their theater program. Um, and apparently, uh, the Martyr Building is apparently haunted by a little girl with blonde hair. Great. Uh, she is known to lurk behind the shower curtains in Martyr's in Martyr's Court bathrooms and has been terrifying students for years. The Ram says, don't look beneath the curtain before entering. That won't save you. Students never see her feet beneath the curtain, but when you pull back, they see a little blonde girl staring straight ahead. Oh, fuck. I know. I just, I've read this three times and every time it makes my heart feel faint. Not for nothing, but like I already have like I think just like the trope of like you pull back a curtain yeah. and someone's like I already have a thing with shower though. curtains. Hello. I hate this. Hello. I can't. I cannot stress enough how much I hate this. Uh, this seems to be among the most frequently reported ghostly events. Great. Uh, additionally, students sometimes hear children's laughter in no. the walls. In the walls. I feel tricked by how we started this episode and how we're ending. But go on. <laughs> you have to start with the friendly ghosts and end with the rough ones. I found one more article from 2010 to fill out some of the stories as well. Here's another weird story from Queen's Court. Queen's Court. Queen's Court. I know I should have done a better job at like putting all these stories together, but I tried to move in time instead <laughs> yeah, of yeah, yeah. in location. Works for me. Either way, it was, it was, yeah, this is a lot. In John's third of Queen's Court, where I dormed last year, says the student, there lives a ghost of a dead Jesuit. He said, whenever I went to the bathroom at 4 a.m., I would it would be as quick as possible, just in case. In 2017, yet another Ram article came out speaking on just how haunted the school was. Uh, it mentioned many of the stories we covered. In addition, Monica Falfel, a student, gave another account from Martyrs Hall during her freshman year. She said, quote, what happened was I woke up one morning around Halloween with sleep paralysis and I couldn't move. Ooh. I tried yelling my roommate's name, but I felt something like hands choking me. Mm-mm. Above me was this floating, translucent, figure-like girl with long hair that didn't have a face but was still looking at me. When she did finally disappear, I got this really calming feeling like nothing had happened, but I was confused because I was sweating and shaking. I got really freaked out and couldn't help. I couldn't sleep the next few nights, but got over it when the floor had our infamous bathroom. I got really freaked out and couldn't sleep the next few nights, but got over it when our floor had our infamous bathroom blessed a few, a few a blessing a few days later. Okay. I will just say that exact thing happened at NYU. Yeah. As I was reading it the first time, I was like, um, you couldn't breathe, you couldn't move, and a girl with long hair was above you. Hate that. That was from the Molly's Ghost episode as well. That's right. So that's a strange thing. Linking these universities. Linking these universities together. And I hate it. So why is Fordham so haunted? There's a bunch of theories. There's a series of tunnels under Fordham that are have a, a lot of ideas for multiple use. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to st- spend a, another bonus episode talking okay. about the, the tunnels of, of Fordham and what they're used for, where they connect 
some believe they're very like normal, like just you know for exhaust and stuff like that. Okay. Others believe there's more nefarious uses Ooh. for them. Um, but it is an old school. A lot of the ghosts seem to be mostly Jesuits, True. Um, with the occasional little girl or little boy here and there. Um, but those are just about all the known hauntings and active spirits at Fordham, which is a lot, which is like it's the most many. I've covered in any university. Well, thank you, I guess, for that horrifying episode. Really loved the cute Jesuit ghosts. Love the new series that we've pitched. Hate the little girl and the faceless woman and the little boy and the laughter on the walls. Yeah, we don't we don't really like those. Those aren't we don't like those. Why <laughs> would be? Why would we really? Um, so there, there you have it. Well, if you are uh, a Fordham student, faculty member, or employee, and you've met any of these Jesuit ghosts, have met another Jesuit ghost, have seen this little girl being creepy behind shower curtains, et cetera, et cetera, or are part of Queen's Court or Fright Court, uh, let us know. Let us know. Reach out. We would love that to hear. We, I know for a fact that there are people who went to Fordham who listen to our podcast. I'm almost, almost positive. Went so, from knowing it as a fact to being almost, almost positive. positive. Maybe not. But if you do know, <laughs> let us know. We are so interested in super interested in hearing, in hearing. all ears. Um, so that is that. And that is our first little scary Halloweenish story Ooh. as we're in the month of October. It is. It is so, October. Anywho, we're Thanks, off man. we're off next week, you guys, for Indigenous Peoples Days. We will be back the following week, so don't you get too upset or sad. We'll be back on the sixteenth, which is the day before my birthday. That's true. Um, for another all new episode. I've been Adam Ace. I've been Christine Marnelli. And thank you ever so much for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Tammy Hall, but for good.